Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Is it the better team or is it the home court advantage? Home teams won all four of these play-in games so far, although the Lakers, that was some heavy lifting right there. They're in a little bit of trouble there with the Warriors. Got down 12, came rolling back. The Warriors turning the ball over. And not the safe kind of turnovers. No, they're live ball turnovers. They were starting Laker fast break. The Laker offense really didn't have anything going in the half court. A very poor first half. But in the third quarter, they got it going, and they got help from a lot of fast break points. And at one point in the second half, the Warriors turned it over, and then were casually turning around and walking back. Nobody was looking at the ball. And the, and the Lakers got a two-on-two break off of a dead ball turnover. That can't happen in a three-point game. I mean, we can spend a lot of time talking about LeBron's last shot, and it was fantastic. Big money shot. They needed it. He delivered. Shot clock was running down. There were no options but to launch a three, and he hit it. Turned out to be the game winner. But there were so many plays along the way the Warriors would want back. Mark Jackson said in the third quarter, they're just getting loose with the ball. You know, turnovers are one thing when the other team's making great plays, but when you're just giving away possessions, just giving away possessions. You, you got Steph Curry. If you could get some more shots for him, you know, you know, on a night he's got it going, he'd get you points. And of course, some of the turnovers were just his fault, too. Late in the game, I understood it more. The double teams, aggressive and spots on the floor, you don't usually see them. Curry, on the, on the next to last possession of the game, Got doubled like 40 feet from the floor. And Anthony Davis was aggressive. He was coming right at him. Curry didn't have guys getting open. This is where they really miss Clay Thompson. They just really miss him. You know, you, you get Clay the ball and it's four on three because over there doubling Curry and somebody's going to pay. But Clay Thompson was in street clothes at the end of the bench. So didn't have to worry about that. And the Lakers got the win. And now I think we can debate. How healthy is LeBron? Well, he's definitely not 100%, right? I mean, the first half, he was borderline spectator even when he was playing. He was being very careful. He was staying on the ground, not getting up in the air. Didn't see anything explosive out of him. Saw a little more from him in the second second half, but I thought he was still pretty careful. He's clearly not 100%. Now, if he, he said it was no worse after the game. Of course, he's going to say that. If that's true, then he's got some time off here before they play Sunday afternoon against Phoenix, so he could be in even better shape. And the Lakers looked better in the second half than the first. Now, was that just LeBron decided to cut loose a little bit? Were they getting more comfortable? Was it just the Warriors getting loose with the ball? You know, if it was the Lakers slowly getting it together, playing better and getting in sync, that little snapshot in one game, if you stretch that across a month of playoffs, Lakers are now on the other side of the bracket from the Jazz. Jazz can't see them to the conference final if both teams make it there. Lakers will play the Suns, and the winner of that series will get the winner of the Portland-Denver series. So there's a long way to go before we know what the heck's happening there. Um, but it's a really good game, and the Lakers, you know, more balanced attack. Man, the Warriors without Curry really aren't very good. <laughs> they really need Clay. And Draymond Green just flirting with disaster all night long. Just flirting with disaster. Assuming the Warriors beat the Grizzlies, and I expect they will. Assume, but at some point, somebody's going to win on the road. Maybe it'll be the Pacers. Maybe they'll go into, into Washington and win tonight and get that last spot in the East. Um, 
But assuming that the Warriors win, and obviously that's what I would pick, and I think that's what the vast majority of you would pick as well. Assuming it's the Warriors, um, we saw Steph be great. We also saw some of their vulnerabilities. You know, don't let the other guys beat you. Um, I said yesterday on the show, Jazz and six over the Warriors. Uh, Steph will have a game. He will have a game. Maybe the Jazz play one bad game. It's hard to pick a team to win in four. There's got to be a really big gap in talent. And it could happen over in the Eastern Conference. They don't expect it in the West. Um, but in the East, one versus eight, two versus seven, I could see it happening. You know, Miami went to the finals. They got playoff experience playing Milwaukee. I would not expect Milwaukee to sweep Miami. Um, nor would I expect a sweep of that 4-5 New York-Atlanta series. But I could see the top two teams in the East maybe getting sweeps. Um, but it, the Jazz against the normal number 8 in the West, 8-5, and five, and you know I'm going to allow Curry to go off and say 6. So that's where I'll park it for whatever that prediction's worth. Uh, the series is going to start. The series is going to start Sunday night at 7.30. It could be worse. It could have been Sunday at 8.30. Even though weekday games are at 8.30. But on Sunday, they can play the games a little earlier. The Lakers are playing at 1.30. So the TNT doubleheader will have games at 5 and 7.30. And that gives them a chance to make some money off a pregame show when the Lakers end. And if the Lakers go OT, there won't be any, any overlap between the second and third game. So TNT will have games. It'll be 7 and 9.30 in the East. But... 5 and 7.30 in our time zone. So 7.30, that's not bad. I'll take that, even if it gets held to 7.45. I'll take that. And then you can flip over to Talking Sports because we will have a lot of post-game interviews. Highlights, obviously, and the, the PGA Championship. Uh, so be loaded Sunday night straight into that jazz post-game show. All right. Right now, it's time for a little basketball with Joe Ingles. Had a media session. Looking ahead, obviously didn't know the Lakers were going to lock up seven and the Spurs were going to get eliminated, but that's where we are. The Jazz get the Grizzlies or Warriors, which, even if you don't want to say it, that's what everyone was assuming, and now here we are. Here's Joe Ingles with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hey, Joe, um, I'm wondering if you think back to last season when you guys were heading into the playoffs, do you think that that team was ready for a title run? And then in comparison, what is different about the team this year? Um, I think, I mean, the thing that comes to mind when you kind of first ask that, I think the thing that stands out is just the health of our team last year. We were obviously beat up a little bit throughout the year. Um, Someone's getting uh, beat up by their child in the middle. Uh, um, uh, yeah, like the, the health of that. And kind of like, I, not, I don't want to say disruptions because it was like Mike having a child, which isn't a disruption. It's an amazing thing. But obviously like him him leaving for that, um, Boyan was injured. Um, so it, it was just it was just different. I, I wouldn't say that we weren't ready or prepared or anything like that. I think if... We were healthy. I mean, we were still up three one. Like it's not. We we still had a a good lead. We were playing some good basketball um, up until it was three three or three two or like whatever the the thing was. Um, I think this year, obviously being together for longer um, as a, as a group and and playing. I've said it before. Like kind of playing how we envisioned playing last year a little bit. Uh, we didn't really get to to do that with the, the injuries and guys in and out and, and all that. So um, last year is last year. Uh, I know mentally and, and physically, I think we're ready this year. Um, we, like I said, we, we, we've embraced and, and probably kind of taken off a little bit on the way we've, we've wanted to play and, and really taken off with the style and the, 
um, the, the threes and, and playing defense and, and kind of doing what we, we always kind of thought this, this group could do. Um, so it's obviously it's exciting, but um, we've kind of, I guess, like kind of ticked off the box of, of playing the regular season now and now it's onto the, the playoffs. So we've got to um, almost like refocus and, and the regular season was great and it was cool to get that many wins or whatever, but that's over with now. It doesn't really mean too much now except home court and um, it's time to focus on um, whoever we're going to get on Friday. All right, next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, what's it kind of like having a week off between the end of the regular season and between, you know, your first game of, of the first round series? Obviously, on the one hand, it's I, I imagine it's great getting rest and, and kind of getting a chance to, you know, recover from whatever lingering, lingering injuries. But is there also kind of a, any concern about, you know, rust accumulating during that time about, about coming back, you know, a little less – precise maybe um are you rusty or unprecise after a week off with your writing i'm always rusty and imprecise with my writing <laughs> um no nah, i mean i think uh, i know i don't want to speak on other players i know i was excited for a couple of days off um playing point guard for three weeks is, uh, is not it. <laughs> um, with, uh, all of a sudden in the NBA, everyone decided to full court pressure, which I've never seen in seven years. And all of a sudden they decided to pressure for, for three weeks. Um, I think, I think it was good for our group. I think not even just physically, but, but mentally as well, just to kind of step away for obviously you guys know, we spend basically every day together, uh, more or less, even probably more this year with the scheduling, how tight kind of games were together and, couple of longer road trips and stuff like that. So um, mentally great to, to kind of get away and have 48 hours um, kind of too. So I got to put my kids to bed and get them up and, and actually enjoy um, their time. Miller said to me yesterday, you're not going to basketball again. And I was like, I am not going again. So for having kind of two days was, was nice, but it was also like really refreshing to come back in today and, um, get some work in and, and like I said, kind of flick to the, the playoff mode of, of obviously we don't know who we're playing, but just the kind of more concentrating on our team and, and what we want to do. So um, Russ, not like, no, uh, I think we'll be fine. I think we, um, as you guys know, with our healthcare guys and our coaching staff, we've got, I believe the best in the league in both of those. And um, they'll, they'll have us ready and kind of raring to go for, um, for Sunday night I think it is or sun, Sunday at some time all right next up Dana Green ABC4 hey Joe um, we haven't had a chance to talk to him yet but can you give us an insight maybe into Donovan's frame of mind of how excited he is of coming back or do you have is it impossible to get inside Donovan's mind it's impossible to get inside Donovan's mind but what is it like to have him back ready, <laughs> ready to, uh, or just after missing so long to get him back uh, into the rotation with you guys? Yeah, I mean it's great to 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 be around him. Obviously, he didn't he didn't come on those trips, so um, it's kind of weird, really. Like I've played with him for however many years, and and obviously it was the first time kind of not having him on trips and the bus or, or whatever it is. So. Um, yeah, it's been been great to see him again, and obviously we're excited to to have him back. and And whenever whenever he's healthy, we'll we'll obviously have him back. That's not a question for me to answer. So, um, 
he looks great. He looks like a beautiful young man. <laughs> All right. And uh, our last question is going to be Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, I think it's fair to say last year, the biggest problem was defensively, you know, just, it's, I guess, except for game seven, but before that, just, it was problem stopping Denver. What's different about this year defensively on that end of the floor that, you know, gives you the belief that you guys can, can defend better than you did last year. Um, I mean, I, I think a bit of a, a part of that is like, I, like I was saying, kind of the in and out of God, like it's, it was a, I don't want to say it was like, you know, it was a disruptive year in terms of like, we were all getting comfortable with each other. We had guys in and out and then we obviously like lost Mike with his baby and Boyan had surgery and like all those things combined. Um, I think Juwan started a couple games in there in the playoffs or right before this. So I was just a, it was a, he probably didn't envision that at the start of the year or halfway through the year that he'd be starting in, in the second round of the playoffs um, or first round of the playoffs, whatever. So um yeah, I think just obviously we 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 knew and know that we are a good defensive team and, and locking in on that is something that um I think you can I don't want to say you like can get relaxed with it, but you, you can like a lot of the NBA is focused on like offense. Everyone talks about offense, everyone this guy scored this, this guy's shooting this. It's like there's a we've kind of always known that our identity has been defense. When you've got Rudy and Fave, like it's be stupid not to be focusing on those things. Um, and then you add like Royce, like Mike, oh, all our guys have, I think have probably just kind of, I don't want to say we weren't focused on last year, but a bit more locked in on like what we wanted to achieve and maybe losing like three, one is a, the kick in the stomach that you need to like, all right, if we want to be the team, we want to be that we envisioned, like I said, on the offensive end, we also had a identity defensively that um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we lost it, but we were probably a bit more inconsistent with it last year. Um, well, like I, said, I think this year we were a bit more locked in. It was every game we were focused on what the game plan was. We wanted to win every game possible. We were we were trying to do that. Um, it was a disrupted year, obviously, with the COVID and the, the rules and the testing and all that. And I think it just put an emphasis on, like, making sure we test at the right time, making sure we're testing on the right time to get treatment in the right time and then get your shots up. And so a lot more went on mentally this year than, than other things. So I think that kind of tags on to the end of like, all right, well now we've done shoot around. We're going home. Like, all right, what's the game? This is a game plan. This is what we're doing. It just was a constant um, kind of theme of like us kind of compete in everything we were doing, whether it would be wearing a mask on the plane when you like, when, like you obviously forget the mask, like every, just competing on every level of everything this year. And I think we did a, I think we, we proved we did a, a good job of that with, with everything that went on and, and how we played. But um, kind of like I said too, it's, it's back to square one now where the record doesn't matter any of that. It's back to square one. We've got to be the best defensive team now through the playoffs, which uh, we, we can do if we're, we're locked in on it. There's Joe Ingles with the media. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk, uh, going to talk a little basketball with Tim McComb, former BYU assistant, former uh, staff member for Rick Majerus at the U, now does the pre-half and post-game for the Jazz. Obviously, Tim won't know the outcome of the Lakers-Warriors game, although he'll suspect it. But uh, his thoughts on the Jazz entering the postseason, next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Tim Lacombe. PK and I had him on late in yesterday's show. Former BYU assistant coach. And, of course, he didn't know that the Lakers were going to lock up the seventh seed. Uh, but his thoughts on these teams entering the playoffs still interesting. Here's Tim with PK and I. DJ, PK, and Tim Lacombe joining us. Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Used to be on Rick Majerus' staff at the U. Assistant coach Dave Rose at the Y. And now, singing his teeth into the pro game, Tim Good morning. Good morning, guys. Until um, I'm gone. Until I'm gone, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's man, it's I love this time of year. Um, obviously, from a basketball standpoint, um, but I just love like yesterday, last night, the weather. Oh, so beautiful out. It really was. I was shirtless again. You were shirtless. Yeah, doing yard work. Shirtless and Sandy. We got some older ladies in the uh, in the neighborhood. Oh, I, I send me their address so I can send condolences. So PK's trying to give him. PK's trying to give him a heart attack. Oh, I got yeah, a neighbor. Exactly. I got a neighbor. Property. A neighbor kid who likes to uh, do yard work shirtless. So when I see him, I usually go out and do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me where you live so I don't ever drive by. <laughs> it's kind of a running gag. It's two neighbor boys. One's on a mission now, but he used to mow the lawn shirtless when he was a teenager, and then I would do it. And now he's he's overseas, and so his older brother was doing it yesterday, so I had to go out there and do it too. <laughs> oh, that's too cool. <laughs> all right, I think the big question for all Jazz fans, before you worry about any matchups or anything, Donovan Mitchell. Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be 100%? How long is it going to take for everyone to get back into get back into the rhythm, get back into the flow? What level of concern do you have? Well, there's, certain, there's certainly concern when a guy misses as much as he's missed um, because, you know, basketball is so – the important parts of the, the key to, to being really good is to be in a great flow and a great rhythm. Um, but that being said, I think – they played enough games together and, and kind of uh, that piece of it, I think, can, can figure itself out. I, I, I believe Donovan will be, um, you know, he's not going to go out there if he's not ready to go. And so I think that that's been the whole the whole aim. And so if he plays, I think he's, he's good to go. And um, really, it's then it's kind of on, you know, as crazy as it sounds, it's kind of on Donovan to figure out how to, to fit in, I guess, and not, um, you know, not try to force things, but just play like he did this year. And I think he's obviously great enough to do that. But, yeah, there's a little concern there because, you know, it's unknown. And he hasn't missed a lot of games, you know, in, in his career. So this, is, this is a little bit new for him and certainly new for everybody around him. So it's just going to be a, a little bit of an experiment. But, uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to like dip their toe in the water <laughs> unless something crazy happens. They're going to play a, a very good opponent, uh, more than likely with championship 
uh, experience in the first round. Situation, if he's ready to go, I don't really think he misses a beat. Now, if there's issues, that's another story. But if he's ready to go, uh, I think the team has enough knowledge and experience together, and people know their roles, and this team understands he's our best, the most dynamic offensive weapon. So I expect, I expect a smooth transition if he has his health. I, I totally, I actually would too. Um, that'd be my vote. I think, you know, even a little bit, like a slight adjustment period in the playoffs is going to be difficult. You know, even if it's not all the way together, typically you can kind of, like I said, you can dip your toe in the water early on. But, you know, they're not necessarily going to have that opportunity. Now, I've actually been almost like last night watching the, the Celtics game, I tweeted out how dreadful the Celtics offense was in the first quarter. And that's really all it took. And they went on to score about 116 points. So uh, that being said, I keep talking about the Jazz having to play the Warriors or the Lakers, which would seem like, you know, odds would say that. But it's crazy. Anything can happen. Um, but but I think, if, yeah, if there's, just, uh, if there's just enough of – um, a synergy, you know, and, and they don't really miss too much of a beat. I think they'll be fine. Uh, Donovan, like I said, I, the one thing I do know is he wouldn't be coming back if he's not ready to go. Um, and so, you know, they're not going to take a risk, even as, as important as this season is and has been. You know, there's a lot of basketball left in Donovan Mitchell. So if he comes back, he's going to be ready to go. And, and like you, PK, I think they'll, I think they'll be fine in Justin. I think I'll pick the Jazz in six over the Warriors, figuring Curry will or, – or maybe somebody else, too. I mean, Wiggins just had a big game. But the, the Warriors are good enough. They'll get him once or twice, but I just can't see Curry going off and doing that four times. The Jazz have too many things going for him. But when I try to figure out what will happen in the Lakers series, there are so many question marks. I feel like I've got to see them play. I don't have a good handle on how good they're going to be, how quickly, and I wonder if you have a better read than that. Well, I'd like to say I would, but, you know, I made the mistake last year of, in my mind, just kind of writing, watching the, the Lakers the last few weeks, you know, that they finished the bubble prior to the playoffs, and I just did not think that they had enough. Um, you know, I kind of got sucked into believing that they were maybe um, weren't quite as good and I just, I'm not going to do that again. I really do believe when a team wins a championship and they've got two dominant players like they do, I think you have to start every conversation, you know, the next year about how they will, you know, be a, a real factor in defending the championship. And when you put LeBron James on the team, um, all bets are off. I think you have, like you said, DJ, I think I'm really curious to see how they play as well. Uh, because they haven't been – now they, they did when they all got back together and they kind of started playing again. They looked a little more like the Lakers. Um, but there was a long period of time where the care factor was not great and the basketball that be, was being played was not great. Um, but it's crazy how that, that dude, LeBron, can flip a switch and then you add AD to the mix. Um, and, again, they become so potent – and and difficult to guard because again you've got to take into the fact that you're getting LeBron foul calls too you know when he's out there 
I mean, it is a thing. I've watched Bojan all year get hammered and not get calls. And then you watch a Laker game and literally if, if he gets breathed on, there's a foul. So that's a part of it. And certainly in the playoffs where it's a, it's a half court situation and, and, you know, stops are really big. Uh, you got to factor all that stuff in there. So I think the Lakers are going to be really, really difficult to beat uh, by anybody because they are the champ. And once you, you know, once you're that champion, you, you've got a know-how that maybe other guys don't. And so you will really, you will have to beat them. They're, they're not going to beat themselves. So the Jazz went nuts on three-pointers this year. In the playoffs, everything gets more magnified. What level of concern do you have in the postseason when things are more difficult given the amount of three-pointers that they shoot? Because obviously they're going to have to make a good percentage of them in order to be successful. Well, I think what they've proven, uh, you know, minus a couple – I guess I'll preface it by saying that a poorly timed – off night from a lot of guys and it really only takes a couple of those and you're already behind the eight ball you know um, momentum in a series is a thing and so I think if the Jazz take the same types of shots uh, which I think they will probably what isn't going to come as easy especially watching the playing games last night um, transition defense uh, will probably be a little bit better the Jazz are certainly uh, very potent in transition from three and when they can really advance the ball and find guys. Um, and, and the types of shots the Jazz shoot from three, the catch-and-shoot type, um, you know, they've proven all year. If, if they have their feet set, somebody dribble, penetrates, and finds it, the ball gets moved a couple of times and somebody's wide open, those shots are going to fall at a pretty high rate. Uh, what, dis- what concerns me, really, and, and it's been the games where teams have been able to switch um, it really does mess up timing rhythm uh, the role becomes less of a factor and guys are not quite as open uh, you're not getting the, their feet set totally set and have having looks and the Jazz haven't shot the ball as well against teams like that um, and if they play the Lakers or the Warriors out of the shoot they're going to see that that's the way they'll be guarded uh, I would imagine most of the playoffs um, so that being said, I think it's the type of threes they get. Uh, I, again, I think if they can really play downhill, play with force, and require two defenders to come to the ball, that's where the blender can go, and that's where the ball can move, and that's where those threes that they're very good at can happen. Uh, that in transition, if, can they continue to play early in the shot clock in the playoffs? I think that will be a, a piece of how they shoot the three. Are there any surprises waiting for us out there that you can foresee? I mean, kind of the definition of a surprise is you don't get to foresee it, but you have a keener basketball mind than us. So I wonder if there's something, you hear all these playoff discussions, you're like, you know, what people are missing is What? I've got a weird feeling, and this will probably put the nail in their coffin as well, but I've got a weird feeling about the Miami Heat this year in the playoffs for the same reason I talked about the Lakers. Um, there's something about playoff experience and magic, and um, and so they're a team that kind of jumps out at me. I'm curious to see how the Suns do in in the playoffs. I think they've been a – a great story, uh, not as great as the Jazz 
and kind of irritates me that uh, as good a job as Monty Williams did, I think Quinn Snyder probably deserved coach of the year. Um, but I, I believe that uh, that those two teams will be probably who I'm going to key in on. I'm curious to see how the Suns deal with um, the Lakers or the Warriors, you know, depending on who they get and what that series looks like and if the, if the, if the Suns can continue to play the way they played this year. Uh, my guesses are that they probably will. I think that Chris Paul really unifies that team. Um, and Devin Booker is is really difficult. And you talk about, again, half-court game. Uh, that really uh, speaks to how Phoenix wants to play. And they're very, very good at really kind of suffocating you on defense and then uh, picking you apart and making tough shots on offense. Um, but the Heat, in the East, I just – I look at that and I think, you know, they could, they could make some noise there. Um, I'm not a big believer in Philly. Um, I just don't think that they're, they're, they have the substance, I'm going to say, the substance it takes to win at a high level. Um, I'm not sold on Milwaukee. I think New Jersey in the East is going to be fascinating to watch and maybe just might have a crazy playoff run as well. Uh, because of the things I speak of, I mean, just you start talking about points per possession, and you start talking about their ability to score so many different ways in the half court. Um, there's going to be a lot of really cool storylines, but I think that those are the ones that, and then obviously the most important one, uh, the Utah Jazz, a first time ever having home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs, um, having the best record in the league, um, and um, you know, really having. A, a, a roster that is so well built for the way they play um, and can, like you said, can those three-pointers continue to fall uh, and be taken at a high rate and and how will that all work out? So those are the main things I guess I'm looking at. Uh, I don't know that I've got a crystal ball to say what's going to happen, but um, I think those are the, the storylines. See, I told you, DJ. What, that I didn't have a crystal ball? No. Everything you said, with the exception of calling Brooklyn, New Jersey, I agreed with. Oh, did I say New Jersey? You did. And, and, and I think old timer. And I think the New Orleans Jazz have an excellent chance. <laughs> <laughs> but the Minneapolis Lakers, keep your eye on them because when they play the Philadelphia Warriors. Hey, when you guys? Oh, well, I did see today. I saw a clip today where a commentator called Taco Fall, Taco Bell <laughs> during a game. He's like, he tips it into Taco Bell, and then the guy's dribbling it up. He said, did I just say Taco Bell? I'm so I would imagine they'll use that in an ad, but sorry. My just, I, I stopped kind of following the Nets when Van Horn left. <laughs> 97. And they were New Jersey then. Yes, they were. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, we appreciate it, Tim, and we will hear you Sunday. I expect Sunday night, but we'll have to see. Maybe Sunday afternoon, but probably Sunday night because I think the Lakers will take down the Warriors. And then they'll get plugged into Sunday afternoon. And then I hope, you know. 
We'll never know. We'll never know what he hopes. <laughs> Don't know. Vaporize. Technology's awesome until it isn't. I can't wait till next Wednesday. <laughs> There's Tim Lacombe, and you'll hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game show Sunday. The Jazz are going to play the 7.30 game, so the pre-game show will start at 6.30, and he'll be there uh, pre-game, halftime, and post with Jake Scott. When we come back, the PGA Championship, Bob Casper joins us. We make our picks. That's next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It's you in a golf PGA Championship preview with Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. It's brought to you by Mountainland Supplies, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Man, that sounds cool. Time to welcome in Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, every Saturday morning. Bob Casper, Brian Taylor, and of course, they will get you all geared up for the third round of the PGA Championship this week. Bob, good morning. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. It's another major. Yes, it is. This one, though, a little different. Yes, it is. The PGA, of course, they've been to before, but a different time of year. And Brian was telling us about the wind and the weather are all going to be different. How differently is this course going to play? And uh, what do you need to be able to play this course? What's the skill set that fits this course? Well, it's. Uh, I think it's. You know, somebody that's uh, medium to to longer length off the tee, um, then I think you're going to need somebody that's going to be able to control their irons into the greens, um, flight their shots um, on the correct trajectories, uh, not only off into the greens but off tees, um, and then um, somebody that's that's going to have have to have a, a good short game because there's a lot of runoff areas and that kind of thing around the greens, so. Um, it's it's somebody that's going to have to have a well uh, a really good all around game, um, and I think you really need to focus on um, on guys that can control their golf ball because there's this golf course plays a little over seventy eight hundred yards. Um, they're going to have to deal. They're going to have factors with the wind. Um, uh, you know, it's going to be double digit wind probably all week long. It's going to go from the west the early part of the week on Thursday and Friday and then switch to the east on Saturday and Sunday. Um, at least that's what they're calling for. So um, they're going to have to adapt a little bit, but uh, the wind is definitely going to be a factor with the length of the golf course. So I always found it funny. The PGA was the last of the four played until now, and it was viewed as uh, like it was the lowest of the floor, but why? I didn't understand why that would be because if Tiger is, and he's not going to get it now, but when he was going, if he would have won yeah. five more PGAs, so what? <laughs> it would have counted towards his total. So sure. I never understood why it was the fourth. I get it's not the Masters or the U.S., but it's for some reason I, I don't understand why it was knocked down as much as it was when it counted just the same. How much do you think now moving up in the rotation will give it more oomph? Well, you know the interesting thing, PK, about what what um, what you're you were talking about is that 
you know, the Masters is the Masters. It's played on the golf same golf course every year. Um, the U.S. Open is our national championship. Uh, the Open Championship or the British Open is the World's Championship, and then you've got the PGA Championship. Um, and so, you know, naturally, it's going to be a little bit um, not. It, it's going to be a little, little less um, prestigious. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you for that word. <laughs> a little less prestigious because of those because of those three in front of it. By moving it forward. Um, I, I don't know that it does anything different with it um, as far as the prestige is concerned. Um, they moved the, uh, the players championship to um, March, which is where it was for a long time. Then, of course, you've got Augusta and now you've got the PGA. And the only reason it was moved to, to May for the PGA was because of the, uh, the Olympics every four years. So they just moved it forward a little bit more. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's a listen. Any of those guys would love to win a major and would love to win a PGA Championship. Um, I mean, as far as the the prestige of it, I think it's in the view of the public um, and less so with the view of the players. All right, Bob, it's time for a draft, and we want to ask you about some players, but we can kind of talk about them as we draft them here. You are the guest, okay. so you traditionally get the first pick, and I usually get the second, and PK gets third, and I know who I want, so don't take him. Okay. Who you taking? Do you want me to start? Yeah, this is it. Jump in. Who you got? And then explain okay. why he's the guy and why he ought to be. What are they? In the Indy 500, they call him the pole sitter. That's who you're taking. <laughs> uh, I'm going the cur- for the career grand slam. I'm picking Jordan Speed this I, week. I hate you with the passion of a thousand suns. That was my pick. <laughs> of course it was. See, I knew that. <laughs> no, um, Jordan Speed. You know, he won the he won in San Antonio before the Masters. Um, finished third at the Masters. He he took a little bit of time off. He comes back and he plays well last week in Dallas. Another top ten. Uh, I think he was tied for seventh, something like that. And you know, and here here we are back in a major championship. This is one that he needs to win to get the career grand slam. And I think with him uh, firing on all cylinders as far as his game is concerned, that you know he's kind of back, so to speak. I think he's going to have a pretty good chance this week. Explain how big of a deal that career grand slam is. Well, there's only what five players that have ever, that have done it. You've got Gene Saracen, you've got uh, Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, uh, uh, um, Tiger. yeah, Tiger, and uh, um, and I think it's uh, Byron Nelson or is it Hogan? I think it's Hogan. So um, it's there's only five guys that have ever done it, and that's the that's winning all the major championships in the pro game. And so um, it's a big deal. It's uh, it's a huge benchmark. Um, it, you know, Rory's been sitting on the Masters now, only having to win the Masters now for like seven or eight years. Um, Phil's been sitting on the U.S. Open, needing to win the U.S. Open. Um, and Jordan Spieth, he's the youngest of them all, and he needs to win the PGA Championship now. So I think he and Rory are the best, or the uh, the guys that have the best chance to be able to do it. Uh, you're right. It is Hogan. Uh, Byron Nelson didn't yes. w- didn't win the British Open. Yeah. So that's it. Okay. 
All right. Well, if you're taking Spieth, there's a group of uh, – I thought he was my first pick, and then there's a group of four, and there's one guy I don't uh-huh. want. So hopefully one of you will take him because I think uh, – uh, I don't want to have to. Um, I suppose I ought to pick Rory, but I just don't have a good feeling. But I'd hate it if he wins after I passed on him. <laughs> I'm dying here. I'm going to take Rom. I'm going to pass on Rory. I'll probably regret John doing that. John Rom. Yep. Yeah, that's a great pick. All right. That's, that's who I was going to take, yeah. Well, you should okay. scream, I hate so you with the passion taken, of a thousand we've sons. Each, we've each taken each other's pick now. <laughs> yeah. Who you got? I left to Rory, though, if you want him. There he is. You know, and I was ticked at Rory in the Masters. And just uh, because, as, as Bob was talking about, what he needed, and we know that, you know, he had it, and a few years back he sucked on Sunday, and... Then he came back and what? He won? Did he win the U.S. that year? Uh, and he'd been in a slump, and I don't know. He married, and he's got a kid now, and you know, life yeah. t- life takes over, and I get that. Uh, he just won in his last start. I, I know, I know. So uh, that's my point. I got mad at him, thinking uh, I'm done with him because I'm I'm waiting, waiting, waiting because he's given us so much, mm-hmm. but I thought he'd give more, and then he sucked in the Masters, and then he turns around and wins a couple of weeks ago. So now I don't know. I'm, I, right now, I am just a ball of confusion. <laughs> well, pick somebody out of your ball of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I had my pick there. Um, do I just go with the normal, usual guys? But one guy, I have a feeling. So I, I've decided I want to go. I've got two guys who would be chalk. You know, kind of top ten, top five guys that we should be picking. And I got one guy who's a longer shot. Okay. And I want to take him in the third round. So I'm hoping you guys don't screw me up in the second round. But PK is going to take one of the chalk guys here, I think. I don't think you're going to reach. I know you're going to reach for it because you told us yesterday. And I'm so confident in him. I'm going to take him right now. Are you really? Yeah. That's awesome because then my guy will fall to me. Go ahead. Take him. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Oh. <laughs> That's a good pick. Killing me. And he was one of the guys I would hope would fall to me in the second round. It'd be all about JT in the second round. Oh, that's I couldn't funny. help myself. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, all right, Bob, perfect. back to you. We know why he took JT, because JT's an excellent golfer. Yes, he is a good player, and he's won a PGA championship. So, yeah. All right. Okay, so it's my pick. Yeah. And I think there's two obvious guys that you're picking between. There are two. And there I, I kind of don't want one, but I definitely don't want the other one. Okay. So um, take the one I definitely don't want, and I'll take the one I kind of don't want. <laughs> okay. Um, so one one hits the ball a little bit lower, has has a has has a little bit better control of his ball, ball flight, and the other one I think uh, is the one I'm going to take, but. Um, I, I, I'll go with the hot hand in Rory McIlroy. Dang it. <laughs> who are you deciding? That's who I wanted. Now, who are you deciding? Who is your other guy? Uh, DJ. I knew it. And I don't want DJ. I, there's a little bit, and I'm going to take him. Uh, but the, 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 the problem I have is I'm a little worried that he's like the, uh, the dog that caught the rabbit. And he got the Masters. And that's such an accomplishment. And, like, does it take an edge off? And when you're playing four rounds of golf and one stroke is everything at the end on yeah. Sunday, that little edge. I mean, Not just on Sunday, last Tuesday, Corner Canyon girls lost the 6A championship by one stroke. See? Wow. Yeah. 
All right, I'm taking DJ, though. He's too good and too talented and too dangerous to pass. I've got my reservations about whether he's got the edge or not. Maybe the Masters gave him the hunger back. You know, he won it, but then he didn't win it. It was real disappointing. So I hope he's got a little edge coming to this, but I'm worried about that. Okay, PK. But they did get Lone Peak in a three-hole playoff to finish second. So that's good. And tonight's the yeah. banquet, and we're going to celebrate. Rock stars. Yeah. yeah. I may have a headache tomorrow if you get my drift. <laughs> All right, where are you going here? <laughs> Bob, did we just take the five best picks? Was this a clear group of five at the top? Um, yeah, it's a pretty strong group. Yeah, yeah definitely. No doubt. It's a, it, there's a break. I mean, normally Kepka would be in the group, but he's not in the yeah. group. He's not healthy. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with a guy that I've had my eye on for a while. Can't lie. Okay. Patrick Cantley. Patrick Cantley. Yeah, I took him. Uh, I can't remember which Masters because we played two of them so quickly, but I took him for one of them. And Bob made fun of me. I had him the last one. You had him the last one, and I had him in the one before yeah. that. And yeah. then I got my third pick already lined up. Yeah, you do. All right. You've got, you've I've got, got my pick. Number? I've got my third round pick lined up too, Bob. Don't mess it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will just. I'm kind of looking. You know what? I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna take a long shot. Adam Long. No. Oh, well, it's a long shot. <laughs> See what I done there? That's awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the guy. I'm gonna take the long shot from the Masters that finished second. Will Zeller for us. Ooh, nice. Kind of came out of nowhere. See if he can yep. stay hot. Okay, I'm taking Xander Shoffley. He's breaking through. I figured. You know, I could have got you three for three because I was thinking that one. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I could have taken PKs because he told me who it was, but that'd be a real snakish thing to do. Yeah, so. but I think this guy pulls up right alongside your guy. I think they're both they're both good. They both need to win a major for the first time. PGA, a lot of guys break through at the PGA. Six of the last ten yeah. won their first major at the right. PGA, including Colin Morikawa last year. You going to do it, mm-hmm. PK? You wavering from yesterday or no? I'm going Zach Johnson. No, I'm not. <laughs> Victor Hovland. Yep. Victor Hovland. That's yeah. a good pick. I got a feeling about him. All right. Now what happens is, uh, you know, we alternate appearances with you and uh, Brian. So when he comes on, then he criticizes everybody's picks or pumps them up. <laughs> but mostly he takes shots at them. Well, the only criticism he could make on mine would be Will, will, be, uh, will Zellatoris. So. Yeah, you got to reach a little bit in the third round. Yeah. All right, there it is. There are the picks. And so, obviously, you with the first pick think Jordan Spieth is the guy to beat. You know what? I think I think he is uh, – I think he's due. I think he's due for another major with the way he's been playing, and I think he's going to – I think this would be a good shot for him to get the career grand slam. So. All right, there it is. All right, we will watch and see how it goes, and we will uh, we will talk to you again uh, on Friday after things have gotten rolling. We'll see how our guys are doing out of the gate. Sounds good. All right, thanks, Bob. Hey There's Bob Casper talking a little PGA Championship, and we'll have some first-round numbers for you later in the show. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, another no-hitter in baseball. And LeBron James and AD come up big in the second half, and the Lakers get the win over the Warriors. We'll get to all of that next. DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.